you're listening to another inspirational message from Bell Road Church. If you live in the North Phoenix area and are looking for a church community, we'd love to have you join us. It's a great place for the whole family where you can have fun and grow closer to Jesus. For more information, visit us at www.bellroadchurch.com. Hey, welcome, Bell Road Church. Glad that you have joined us. We uh, have been in the series called Miracles. We kind of hit the pause button on it last week. We're going to do that again this week because I got a message that I feel like is very important for us as a church. And I want to speak into the culture of our church in light of everything that's going on. And we're calling this message, Lead with Love. Lead with Love. Is that what I called it? Yep, that's what I called it. Yep. So make sure. I've said so much today. It's already been an emotional day. It's like with. That was the word I couldn't remember. Lead with love. And uh, in a couple of weeks, maybe on Father's Day when we begin the opening, again, if you don't feel comfortable, you're not ready to come back, that's awesome. Come back when you are ready. We're going to continue to do good church online for you. But Father's Day when we open to the public, we're aiming to start a new series. It's going to be about living a joy-filled life. It's going to be awesome. We, we could always grow in our ability to live this life of joy that Jesus has for us. And so we're going to go through the book of Philippians this summer. It's going to be a great summer series. Looking forward to that. But today, I want to talk about lead with love. And let's start by looking at our mission statement. What's our mission statement? It's love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him. And so it really begins with loving people. And that's, that's where we have to start. If we don't get that right, then we really can't do anything else very well. And so it begins in that place. And so I'm just going to speak from my heart. I'm warning you guys, all of you, whether you're here or you're online watching, I'm pretty emotional today. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm just going to share my heart. And we'll see where this goes. But I just know that God's just laid some things on my heart for us. And some of this message is going to get a little uncomfortable for us. And I think that's okay, too. But it all centers around Jesus and love. We want to lead with love. So I want to talk about the tension, the racial tension that's going on in our country some more. So I think that's important for us to address. How do we as a church handle this? How are we as believers supposed to respond? How do we live in these crazy, crazy times? Well, a couple of things that I, I, I want to mention before we dive into that. Number one is too many of us for honest, are spending way more time in the media and in, in the news than in the Word of God. And so we've got to kind of maybe reevaluate, what am I allowing to speak into my life right now? And it's imperative in this time we're allowing God's Word, God's truth to speak to us, to ground us, to help us through this season. We need to be people of the Word, grounded in the Word and empowered by the Spirit. That's, that's something we value here. And so... Make sure that there's not an overwhelming amount of media that you are ingesting in comparison to the Lord of God. You and I need more of this. Uh, the second thing I'd like to say is, as we approach this topic, we've got to understand we've got a lot of people in our church that are connected to law enforcement. And they are feeling very, very scared right now. Even National Guard people, we've got connections to that within our church. They're very scared. This is very scary times. Uh, but then also, let's say a third thing. 
It goes with, this one goes with number two. We also have some minorities in our church, lots of minorities in our church, actually, thankfully, and they're very scared as well. So we got it all over the place because we're a diverse church. We're not just multi-generational, we're multi-ethnic. And that, friends, is a good thing. We praise God for that. That's who we want to be. But also understand this, that brings tension. It brings tension. And so we're all processing this. We're going through this and, and we're, we're struggling with this. And so I felt like it's so important for us to recognize we got people all over the place and that's good, but then there's tension. So let's make sure that above it all that we lead with love. Amen. We start there. So my encouragement to all of us is this, is that we can all learn from each other. No matter where you're at on any position, any side, whatever it is, we can all learn from one another. And I think it's important for us to be aware of an important truth in light of that. I don't know what I don't know. You know? Come on, let's say that right now. Let's just all say that. I don't know what I don't know. And to be able to admit that and then live that out takes this posture of humility and teachability. It's not always easy, but it's very, very, very important. I, I think especially as the people of God. We understand, hey, I don't, I, I don't know everything. And there's some things that I don't know. And I have to be okay admitting that. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. But I also have to understand that the something that I don't know could be the difference between reconciliation and division. And I got to be aware of that. So here's, here's my word to you guys today. You're all wrong. <laughs> the, the nervous chuckle is what I hear. <laughs> Since there was going to be people in the room today, I just had to say that to see what the response would be. I'm just kidding, by the way, okay? Totally, totally joking. Um, but here's the truth. Sometimes we are wrong. Sometimes we are. And again, uh, that's okay. So I want us to talk about this and continue this conversation and continue to learn and grow through this very important topic, this very important issue in our world and in our country today. And last week, I, I just opened up with my inadequacies. I, I, I feel like, who am I, a white male in our country to talk about this, to address this, and showed a video of a really powerful word that I felt was very good for all of us. We need to hear guys like Pastor Miles speak into our life, into the culture of our church. Great word. But here's what I'm also realizing as I grow and learn and listen and all this kind of stuff. As a white male, I also need to stand up and speak to this. And I need to not be quiet. And so I know you know my heart in this, and I want to share my heart in this, and I want to start off by sharing what Pastor Miles shared, and that's 1 John 4, verses 19 and 20, because I think this really is a good starting point for all of us, and this is where he started last week. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Come on, are you thankful for that? He first loved us. That's why we love. We, we, we love in response to his love. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Don't you love how the Bible just says it straight up sometimes, like the word of God is like, all right, tell us how you really feel, John. You're a liar, okay? For anyone who does not love his brother 
whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Friends, if we don't get this right, we can't move forward. We've got to love, love, love. We've got to lead with love. And we've got to love in such a way that we are able to engage in uncomfortable conversations, in uncomfortable situations, and connect with people. That's love. We don't want to be silent and just be a people who maybe just pray for reconciliation, pray for healing, but don't really do much about it because because I, I think silence creates space for the enemy to come in and just bring division. And so I've got to engage. I got to meet. I got to connect. It's just like any any marital relationship. Try the silent treatment and see how much healing that brings to your marriage. You got to talk. You got to get together. You got to connect. You got to be humble and open and love. And so we got to understand our silence can be an opportunity for the enemy to come in and bring division. The enemy wants nothing more than to bring division to the church. He may not keep you out of heaven someday, but he could keep you and I from being ineffective as followers of Jesus. And he loves that. He wants to bring division to the church. He wants to bring uh, us to this place where we're focused inward. We're fighting with each other. We're bickering. And then we just lose sight of, uh, of how Jesus has called us to live and this amazing mission that he's called us to live on. We can't be the church when we're so inward focused and we're bickering and we're fighting. And so we've got to make sure that love drives us, compels us, fills us, and doesn't allow any space for the enemy to come in and bring division. Amen? So here's what we need to understand is that differences doesn't have to be division. We've got differences. We've got differences of thought, differences of opinion. Well, again, marriages have differences of opinion, and, and they can still be united even as, as a married couple. Differences does not have to be division. It doesn't even mean we have to agree on everything, but we do have to love. We have to. We're all called to do that. I mean, think about this. Is it possible to sit in the same room with people you disagree with and worship God? Is God big enough? to allow that to happen? <laughs> does it really bother God? Obviously, division does. But if we're at disagreement, I mean, think about this. Like, even in this room and people listening right now, like, well, there's differences of opinion on doctrine and theology, yet we worship the same God in the same room. In the same, it, it's okay. And there could be differences even of, of positions and thoughts. And, and, and so we got to understand that is okay. I can still worship God together with my brothers and sisters. Because differences doesn't have to mean division. But if it's, bringing, if it's really hurting my heart, if it's bringing division in my heart, then I need to deal with it. And that's what I'm encouraging us to do is allow the Holy Spirit to do a little heart searching in us. And I need to deal with it. I need to process. I need to do whatever I need to do to make sure that that doesn't, that issue, that disagreement, whatever that is, doesn't bring division into my heart and cause division in relationships that can lead to division in uh, a community of believers. So here's the interesting thing. Did you know racial tension is not new to the church? It's been happening since the beginning of time. Go to Acts chapter 6. We won't go there. I thought about taking time to look at some of these stories, but Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 15, racial tension. And sometimes you read over those verses and you think, oh, it wasn't a big deal. But to them it was. It was, was a huge deal. Just like when, you, when there's tension and you feel it emotionally and, you know, it's, it's connected to friends and family and all this and, like, people don't get this, all, you know, all that. It's emotional for us. It's, it was emotional for them, too, because it was people. 
And so even the, the Jews struggled with Gentiles becoming believers. They struggled with that, even though Jesus clearly said this was the mission. This is what we're going to do, friends. And then they were shocked that Gentiles got saved. Well, I guess even Gentiles get saved, which is good for us, right? Because I'm talking to a whole bunch of Gentiles right now. What if they had decided, no. Or what if they decided they are lesser believers? They almost did. They had lots of debates over that, you know, because here's what happened is all these believers, these Gentile believers didn't act like the Jews, didn't think like the Jews, didn't look like the Jews. Therefore, like, "Mm, I don't know. We need to make sure they think and act and look just like us. And so Acts chapter 15, big meeting of the church leadership at that time. And they're they're struggling with this. They're walking through this. And they they decided we got to narrow in on what's really, really, really important. And that's what we need to do. Okay, so we're talking about leading with love in the midst of this racial tension that we have in our country today. It's not new to the church, but we've got to make sure in our day, in our time, we got a responsibility to be the church that Jesus has called us to be. So how do you think Jesus wants us to respond right now? I think that's the, that's the question. In the midst of all this tension, how does Jesus want us to respond? And can I just say this? You can easily always find people online to support any position. No matter where you land, what you think, anyone can support what you think. You can find it and you can post it and you can say, see, you know, and all this. It's, it's, it's easy to do that. But I think what's more important is what does Jesus think about my position? Not what other people think. Let me find someone who agrees with me because, again, that feels comfortable for us. It's uncomfortable when someone disagrees with me, so there's tension and I don't like that, and so let me find someone that makes me feel comfortable. But maybe the more important question is, Jesus, what do you think about where I'm at with all this? What do you want me to do? And how do you want me to respond? See, it's imperative, guys, that we don't become more concerned about our position than we are people. We want to love. We want to lead with love. So let's look at what Jesus says. I think there's a couple things that really speak specifically to this issue that we can learn from. Let's start with, uh, with Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Jesus is talking about when he's going to come back again. And he's referring to, you know, he's going to come He's going to be, you know, restore his kingdom. He's going to be the king of all things, you know, and, it's, and he's going to live and we'll live with him. For, he's going to reign. We're going to live with him forever, all eternity in his kingdom. It will be perfect. It will be amazing. And it will be life like we long for it right now. And some of us would say, Lord, would you do that today? I'm ready. That would be nice. Yeah. Today's a good day. I'll take tomorrow, if, although if tomorrow's an option. But I think it's important for us to Remember that that day is going to come. Don't forget that. That day is going to come. There's going to come a day when life as we know it will end. And we have to remember that. I think that's why it's important for you and I to get into this book, into the Word, because it gives us a better perspective on life. It reminds us of who's really in control and in charge. And... It, it, it helps us to respond better, to live better, I, I think, because then we, then, then, then we just basically get a better perspective. We need to be getting the Word of God. And we forget that, that, that everything we're going through right now is temporal. 
And so I think that God's word can give us this perspective of, of being able to step back and see the big picture. And so Jesus is talking about, hey, someday I'm going to come. You and I might die before that. He may come in our lifetime, but he's going to come. That's going to happen. Okay. And so don't forget, all of this will pass. The most important thing for you and I in the end is, number one, did we know Jesus? and Did he know us? And did we love people through it all? It doesn't matter what side of any issue we landed on. It doesn't matter what our position was. It mattered, though, that we loved everybody along the way. In the end, you want to be known as someone who loved people, helped people. Okay? And so I've got to have that perspective. So Jesus is talking about that, and then he says these words. I'll just read one, of the, one verse in this whole passage here. Verse 40, I think, yeah. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Interesting words of Jesus here. Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me, Jesus says. Does Jesus really think there are people who are lesser than other people? Ever thought about that? Like, it almost seems like that at first glance. Or could it be that he's speaking to the heart of humanity where we tend to put people in boxes and hierarchies and we think lesser of certain people and all that kind of stuff? Could it be that he understands and knows the heart of man? We tend to do that. Knowing that, and he speaks to us, he says, if you think there are people lesser than you and you serve them, remember, you're doing that for me. Giving us a clear picture of like Jesus is saying, this is how I'm calling you to live. Because it doesn't matter who they are. You're called to love them. Amen. And then let's go to Luke chapter 10. And I think this is a very, very important passage for us as believers in this season that we're living in right now. Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Boy, that's pretty bold, don't you you think, right there? He's going to test God, the God-man. And he's an expert of the law, okay? Expert of the law. He says, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Which is a fascinating statement right there. That sentence just, I've been praying and processing this whole passage, but yesterday that just like jumped at me. He wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify himself. That's why he asked, who's my neighbor? What's he doing? He's basically wanting to make sure that his position is the correct one. I want to justify my position. So tell me, Jesus, okay, give me your answer because I just need to make, I just need everyone to know I need to make sure I feel good about my position that I'm right. Justify himself. And so Jesus' answer is brilliant. He doesn't really answer him. He goes into story mode. And this is where we get the, the Good Samaritan. This is the Good Samaritan right here. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. That was Jesus' answer. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Okay, so I think there are three very clear lessons that we can get out of the Good Samaritan that really stand out at first glance. Number one is lack of love is easy to justify. (laughs) A lack of love is easy to justify. Two guys walk on the other side of the street, not my problem, not my responsibility. I don't, you know, don't, don't care. I don't, so they're busy going somewhere. Maybe the priest was going to church. He had to hurry. He was late. Who knows? For whatever reason, they easily justified their lack of love. And again, we can all fall into this trap. Number two, our neighbors, anyone of any race or social background. Okay, it's easy to see that in this story as well. Number three, love means acting to meet the person's need. So love is, what is love? Loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor looks like seeing someone with a specific need and humbling yourself to the place where you say, I will help you right where you are at. That's what love is. And so I just think it's funny and interesting how Jesus responded to this question, who's my neighbor? Because he doesn't really answer. He answers in the form of a story. He doesn't say this. He doesn't say, all people are your neighbor. Everyone's your neighbor. He actually uses somebody very specifically that this Jewish expert in the law would look down on. He uses a Samaritan as his prime example in this story. A Samaritan to a Jew would have been a half-breed. They were part, you know, the history of Israel. They had intermarried and married Gentile, heathen people. And so they were considered lesser people. They were half-breeds. They weren't true, pure Jews. And so the Jews looked down upon them, didn't like them. Needless to say, there was major racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. Major. There is so much racial tension to get this. That expert in the law couldn't even say the word, the name Samaritan. Did you notice his answer? Jesus says, who, who's, who is the neighbor? And he was like, uh, the one who showed mercy. Couldn't even use the word Samaritan. It was too uncomfortable for him. It wasn't socially acceptable for him. It demonstrated, I think, an issue in his heart. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, I think if, uh, I think Jesus would say these words. I think Jesus would say, Black Lives Matter. Why? Because he told Jews and he showed Jews, Samaritans matter. I know y'all don't like them. I know you look down on them, but Samaritans matter. The least of these matter. The poor matter. He pointed out specific people who matter. And yes, also Jesus would say all people matter. Okay, he would definitely say that. For God so loved the world. Who's the world? Everybody, right? Many of you grew up in church like me. We, we, we sang the song as a, as a child, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. OK, 
Okay, God loves all people. Okay, and I think there isn't a human who wouldn't disagree with that. Okay, that, that we, we all agree with that. Okay, we all love all people. God loves all people. But I think Jesus would also say specific things like this. I think he would also say, come on, blue lives matter. Okay, he, he, he has no problems pointing out specific people. Okay, this person matters, this person matters, these people matter. It's okay. And for some of us, that's a very uncomfortable statement to say black lives matter. And that's a bummer. And there could be lots of reasons for it. Some of, some of it maybe is politicized, you know, and we don't want to make this a political issue. This is a human issue. Please, this is a human issue, just like abortion. And we politicize that, but this is like we want to speak up for the unborn who can't speak for themselves. We don't, it's not a political thing. That's a human thing as well. And so is this. Well, don't you know what that really means? And all that? No, 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 no. We're talking about people, brothers and sisters who we love and we need to be there for. And so I think it's okay to say that, to speak that, even if it is uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Probably similar to the Jew, because it's not part of my comfortable narrative. It's not what I'm used to. And when, when the narrative is uncomfortable, we want to change it. Which, if you think about it, is, is probably why it was like, yeah, but all people matter. We want to change the narrative to something that's more comfortable for us. Yeah, we all agree with that. That's, okay. that, that's true. All people do matter. Let's make sure we live like that. And let's also make sure we live like, okay, specific people also matter. So this is where we're at as a country, guys. And I think it's important for us to open our hearts to what's really going on. Open our hearts to people, everybody, especially people who happen to find themselves on a different side of the position that you're on because we want to lead with love. And some of us find us at this place, where, and really all of America is feeling this to some degree or another. It's like, man, two weeks of all of this craziness, you know, coming out of coronavirus, it adds to the emotions of it. We just want life to move on and get back to, to normal. And what we're saying is we want to get back to our comfortable narrative. That's what we want. And I, and I think that that, that will happen, but I, and we got to make sure that we deal with the uncomfortable now to make sure that the comfortable narrative is the right narrative, is the godly narrative, is the love narrative, is the Jesus narrative. I think we want to make sure we kind of push through this and lean through this and have the conversations. And it might get a little messy. It might get a little bit more tense, but let's lead with love, and then we can go forward from there. So we get that. We can feel tired of it, want to move on. And we get, you know, you used to get tired. It's all over the news, all over social media. Um, but let's make sure that we don't just get to this place where we're trying to, I just want to push it aside and not deal with it. Because I think not dealing with it, I think silence does not solve the issue. It doesn't solve it, doesn't help it, doesn't make it any better. Silence is not going to bring healing, which is why I feel strongly now, and I would even say this, to be transparent, convicted, to be a white man that says, okay, I got to speak too to this. It's important for me to speak to this. It's important for all of us to speak to this. I need to as well. I think to lead with love means that you and I would, would lean in to people and listen and empathize. And if we stop and do that sincerely and honestly, here's what we're going to find. Here's what we're going to hear we're going to hear a group of brothers and sisters that are crying out in pain. 
hurting. And for many of us, maybe this is the first time where we're, we're dealing with this. Maybe we've been aware of it, but it's become way emotional and, and polarizing and all of this. We're like, I just want to get over this. This is way too uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's hard. It's painful. It's tiresome. But if we lean in and listen, we might hear some people say, well, this, is what, this has been my whole life. I'm sorry you're two weeks into this, but this has been my whole life. And so I think leading with love really takes humility. Would it be possible for us to have the posture of a Samaritan in the story that Jesus gave us on how to love our neighbor? To get down and notice someone who's hurting and broken and is in pain and say, I, I see you. I'm not going to pass by around the, you on the road. I, I notice you. I hear you. I, I don't even know how, what all you need, but, I, but I, I'm here for you and I want to help. Just begin the conversation in love. I think that's what Jesus would want us to do. And if I take time to do that, again, you're going to hear brothers and sisters from our black African-American community that are going to say, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm in pain. But too many of us don't want to take time to listen. It's uncomfortable. I get that. It's so uncomfortable. It's not what we're used to. I, even right now, I, I, sharing this, I feel like it's so important for me to share, but I don't even know the right words to say, but I do know this. Let's at least start moving forward and, and having that conversation and do it in love. Be like the good Samaritan. Bandage your wounds, be there with you, pick you up, walk with you, take care of you. Let's go on a journey together. Let's do this. See you. You know, uh, I don't know, about 10 years ago, I blew my knee out. And it was a bummer because one of the big goals of my life was I wanted to dunk a basketball when I turned 40 years old. Which is a big deal to me. It might not be a big deal to you. So it was this knee right here. And I remember it's like, oh, it's frustrating, you know. Hindered everything, you know, for me to be active. And so I had to get surgery on my knee and take care of it so I could function better in life, move forward, you know, play with my kids, have fun be active. Um, I never heard this, but, you know, think about this. What if someone had looked at me and said, yeah, your knees got, got an issue, but your whole body matters? I'd be like, yeah, my whole body matters, but I kind of got an issue right here I need to deal with. I'd kind of like to, uh, this to kind of catch up with the rest of my body and kind of uh, be all together. No, no, so your whole body matters. No, I, th there's, there's hurt here. So I think it's okay for me to take some time and focus on this to help the body to deal with some pain and some heartache and to bring healing. I think that's okay. It's hard, it's uncomfortable, but it's so necessary, friends. I pray that we'd be people who lead with love, people full of the love of God who want nothing else but to be part of the solution. Let's not be people who, I mean, here's what could happen right now. We could, in this moment in time, in, in history, we have an opportunity as a church, I think, right now to stand up. Yeah. Say, let's, let's, let's move the body of Christ forward. Let's move our nation forward in healing. Or we could kind of suppress it and ignore it and not really listen like we did four years ago when this heat was, was heating up pretty big four years ago. 
you know, one of the things I've noticed in the last seven days is there's a lot more progress happening in this conversation than, I, than, than took place four years ago. And I think that's good. The conversation's not perfect, uh, but it's going in the right direction in a lot of places. In some places, it's not. It's people are just yelling their side and their position, and they don't care. They just want people to agree with them, and they'll keep yelling until they agree. As a church, we need to lead with love, first of all. And we've got to make sure we look to the heart of the issue and understand what's going on. Hey, guys, like it or not, we don't. There is a racial issue in our country. That's, that's for reals. And we could find people to support this and say, well, this is really the issue, this is really the issue, there's this and all this and all this, and black people need to do this and white people need to do this. And all that. We can say all those things and you can find every person, to, every, someone to support that position. But that's not going to solve anything. We've got to get to the heart of the issue and understand there is a legitimate issue going on. And there's a lot of people that have a hard time looking, looking past all of the rioting and the looting and like, yeah, but that's, that's wrong. We can't allow this. We can't accept this. And I think to a T, most people in America would say, I agree with you on that. This is wrong. This is wrong. Okay, to break the law, this is wrong. And this is what's causing even more fear. This is, this is where our, our dear brothers and sisters in law enforcement, all this is, that means fear for them and all of this, you know, and all that. It's just, it's just it, it leads to craziness. But some people have a hard time looking past, okay, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. But we understand there's, there's a bigger issue going on. There's a hard issue. And if you take the time, if you and I would take the time to listen to some of our brothers and sisters, here's what you hear over and over and over again. Yeah, I agree with you that it's wrong to break the law. They should not be looting businesses. That's horrible. That's, they, they need to be, people need to be held accountable for that. But I get how they feel. And some of us aren't ready to go in that direction yet. But we need to be. So I get how they feel. And most would never ever get to that place of acting like that, but they're like, I feel that. And do we love enough to care and listen to those conversations and hear that? You know, as a parent, you don't ever want to get to the place where all you do is speak to behavior. Yeah. And if all you do is speak to behavior and you can't get past their behavior, then, like, man, you punish your kids when they do bad and you love them when they do good. They're going to grow up thinking your love is conditional. And we don't ever want brothers and sisters to think our love is conditional based upon how you act. There's a heart issue. You want, as parents, want to train the heart of our kids to love God and to, to follow Him and to know Him and to be close to him and want to obey and speak. Yes, we can, we can speak to disobedience and behavior, but really want to train the heart, speak to the heart. Because it's not about behavior modification. It's about a heart of love. And so I think that same applies to this issue is here right now as well. Behavior modification doesn't work. So let's know there's a root issue. There's a heart issue going on right now in our country. And we got to listen, guys. We got to learn. We got to engage. And what I've learned on this journey that I've been on, you know, and I'm ashamed to admit it because I feel like I'm one of those people like, this has not, racial tension hasn't been an issue for me. You know, it's, I played college sports. I, you know, have had lots of friends in every different racial, ethnic background. And that's, uh, that's a blessing. But so, so, 
I've been blinded to, to a lot of other things that I, that I haven't been able to see, and that's because of this thing called privilege. I've had to really kind of understand, what does that mean, like privilege? And privilege isn't just a white thing, but it's mostly a white thing. And so I had to really process that and think through that and realize there's some things I still need to learn and understand that I don't, and I feel bad for that. I feel guilty for that. Maybe you do too. And that's the journey I've been going on for five years, and it's honestly, it's been brought to the forefront and expedited a lot in the last couple of weeks. And maybe that's a good thing. With all this horrible stuff going on, maybe there's something God's doing underneath. He said, I'm going to bring some healing through this. I'm going to bring some reconciliation through this. I believe that's God's heart. And I believe that's what he wants you and I to do. And it starts with us leading in love. Do you hear my heart in this? So let's, let's, let's end with this. Let's look at John 13. John chapter 13. Jesus says something very interesting. It was the night before he goes to the cross. And he's about ready to lay down his life for all of humanity. Hanging out with his friends, the disciples. And he says this. He says, John 13, verse 34, a new command I give you. Wow, you got a new one for us now, Jesus? He says, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus, you know, took the hundreds of commandments and basically showed people, okay, let's narrow it down to these, these two. This is what really matters. The most important commandment is these two things, you know, love God and love your neighbor. And so then now Jesus gets to the end of his ministry and he's like, okay, I got a new command for you guys. And so it's interesting verbiage. A new command? Why, why, how is this new? Jesus, we already talked about loving our neighbor. How is this new? But he's like, I need to really explain to you what love means. I, wanna, I want you to understand what love is. As I have loved you, so you are now to go and love other people. This is a radical love. This is more than just a, hey, make sure you go and be nice to people wherever you go. This is a love that is so radical, it's self-sacrificial. This is a love that's so radical, it's, it's unselfish. It's willing to step out of its comfort zone and still love people. It's, it's willing to love people even when they hurt you, even when they disagree with you, even when there's pain. It's that kind of love. That's the love that Jesus showed us. And he went through the cross. And he endured the pain and the punishment of the cross for us because of his incredible love for us. And that's the kind of love Jesus said. That's the, that's the command I have for you. It's a new command because I need you to understand this is a radical love. And that's how you and I are called to live, friends. A radical love that's willing to push through pain and discomfort and, and differences to just love. Come on, let's lead with love. Come on, are you ready? Let's lead with love. Our, I like to call him our emotionally healthy pastor. Pastor Pete came across this yesterday. I thought, man, this, this speaks so well to how you and I, how do we respond? What, what should we do moving forward? And so this is what Pastor Pete Scazzaro said. He said, I've had a wide range of intense emotions from horror, anger, despair, to frustration and shock all around the filmed murder of George Floyd at the hands of a white police officer only a week ago. And add to this, the murders of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, all in a two-month span. The demonic nature of racism 
has been horribly wrong in our history since the early 1600s, and it now stares us squarely in the face again. It's important for us to understand that. So I love his question. What does Jesus require of me personally and of us as the church in this historic moment? This is it, isn't it? What should I do? I, I, I agree. This is a historic moment, a moment in the, the, the history of our nation where I think we as a church should stand up and say, hey, we know the way. We know how to do this. We've experienced a reconciliation with our God. He's given us this ministry and the ability to reconcile with people, with brothers and sisters, no matter what. Follow us. We will speak. We will lead the way. This is an opportunity for us in this moment in time. An amazing opportunity for the church to lead the way in love. I pray that we will. I pray that we do. And we've got to understand, yes, maybe you and I haven't done racist things overtly, but it still exists and there's still pain from the past that we can maybe, obviously we haven't owned slaves, but our country has and we still need to continue to say, Jesus, forgive, forgive us, forgive our country and kind of own that as a country. This is part of our history. I don't like that. Nobody does. I got to kind of continue to own that, own that and repent so that God can move in our, in our land. More and more and more. So this is what he says. Three things stand out. We must grieve. Because he, so this is an answer to his question, basically. We must grieve from the loss of individual black lives to the systemic racism that is in our culture and our church. We must grieve. Grieve people. Grieve all lives that are being lost even in this moment due to all of this. I mean, rioting and looting. There's innocent people that are dying. There's police officers that are losing their lives because of all this. I mean, it's all of this. None of us wants this. We must grieve. We must learn, number two. Learn. There's things you and I can learn from this. Let's learn so we can grow, so we can move forward. He said, Jerry and I, his wife and I, have been committed to, racial rec or to reconciliation as a core value for over four decades, but we still have much to learn. And his church is one of the most multi- racially diverse churches you'll ever see in our country. And he's saying, I've been out of this for four decades. I still have a lot to learn. If he's got a lot to learn, Lord knows I do. And number three, we must change. Getting uncomfortable before getting comfortable. We've got to change. And he ends by saying this. He says, at Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, we pray that we might make a contribution to the unfolding of God's heart in these days. I love that because I, I pray, okay, I want, to be, I want to do that too. Let's us be a part of the unfolding of God's heart in these days. Grieve, learn, change. And I think this is a good response for us right now in this moment. We don't have all the answers. We don't know everything we need to do, but let's start there. Grieve, learn, and change. And I'd love to invite you, take a few moments right now as we come to a close to maybe stand your feet. You can stand up, change your posture. Maybe if you're at home, you want to stand up or, or kneel down and get on your knees. This, this is a good posture-changing moment as we really try to respond to God. We're going to take a moment. We're going to grieve, learn, and change. I just pray that God would speak to us in this moment. We're going to go into a song. We're going to, we're going to worship. We're going to look to God. We're going to take some time to say, again, God, we need you need you in this.
But let's process this, right? And before we go any further, let's process this. And grieve. What are some things we need to grieve right now in this moment? We need to grieve, for some of us, my, my lack of understanding, maybe my ignorance. It's okay to grieve the loss of lives through this whole thing, to grieve the fact that we still have racism in our country. And as we grieve, this is really what opens up our heart to really love. Come on, receive the grace of God in this. But it's going to be important that you and I grieve. Learn, Jesus, what I need to learn. What is it that I don't know, that I need to know? Because I know I don't know everything. What do I need to learn so that I can grow and move forward? Do I need to listen? Do I need to have some conversations with people? Lord, teach us. Holy Spirit, teach us. Show us how to move forward. And help us to change. Help us to be the change that we want to see in this world. Change. God, we don't want our world to stay where it's at. We want to see healing. We want to see reconciliation. We want people to find hope in you ultimately. Help us to change. God, we repent. Forgive us. Forgive us of saying things we shouldn't say. Not loving when we should have loved. God, we repent of a nation who has a history of slavery, racial division, and looking down on people and considering them lesser God, forgive us again. We repent so that, God, you can change our hearts, change our minds, renew our minds. Lord, we want to see life transformation by the renewing of our minds. That's why we repent, God, because maybe we need to go in a different direction. Lord, would you do that in us? Lord, we're praying for healing in our land. We're praying for revival in our land. Holy Spirit, we need you now to sweep across our country. We need you now to move, to heal, to restore. Holy Spirit, would you do it right now? Renew, revive, revive your church across our country. Awaken your church right now. But Lord, I pray they would start in me. Revive my heart right now. God, would you change my heart and give me a teachable, open humble heart to listen to love to be courageous thanks again for listening to this message of Bell Road Church we hope you enjoyed it and that God spoke to you through it be sure to connect with us online via Twitter Facebook and at bellroadchurch.com.